This episode is sponsored by Shimmer Bazaar, the first of its kind marketplace for a Daisy millennial audience. Is this thing on? Cool. Hello and welcome to episode two of Are the Aunties Listening? It's Krupa here. We have a pretty exciting episode lined up for you. We're talking about the murder of an influencer, Priyanka Chopra's decision to be a judge on a pretty whack reality TV show. And we're talking about hair removal and why we're pressured to remove every last bit of hair off our bodies. For all this and more, keep listening. See you on the other side. Hi, and welcome to a very special episode of Uncultured. It's actually not an episode of Uncultured. We are launching episode two of our podcast, Are the Aunties Listening? It's a sub-podcast to Uncultured where we've partnered up with, hi, my name is Priya, who I'm sure you know, and if you don't, you definitely will by the end of the episode. We had actually recorded two episodes, and one of the one of the ones that we did, the one where I introduced her, we realized we didn't launch that one, so episode one doesn't provide as much context. So here I am. She's with me. Let me let me tell you who she is and how exciting this journey is going to be. Thanks for sticking around. For those of you that don't know, Priya is a TikTok sensation. She has one million followers on there, and she documents her life through traveling in a van with her partner now her fiance. We actually did an episode together on Uncultured. So you can go back to that episode if you want all the kind of her story about how she met her partner, Sid, how she actually ended up living in a van, how she ended up traveling now because of COVID. She's in lockdown as well. And so now a lot of her content is uh, particularly food focused. She has (laughs) um, a spice business selling her dad's spice mix. It's very cool and pretty inspiring and motivating to look at some of the recipes she puts out. And yeah, Priya is awesome. And we clicked so much in our first episode when we caught up to talk about her life. So we were like, well, let's just make this regular. So this is Mm -hmm. basically we got along. Yeah, (laughs) basically we got along. So we decided to start this like podcast called Are the Aunties Listening? So welcome. And here, what are we going to talk about, Priya? So in general, we're just going to talk about topics that interest us. So talk about things that happened to us that traumatized us as kids. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So specifically today we're talking about... We're going to talk about our trauma. Basically. Basically, this is our self um, gossip sesh, um, talking about our issues as a kid, talking about our issues now, talking about being brown, but basically everything that interests us or interests you. Firstly, podcasting in general has only just picked up. Secondly, the stuff that's out there is by white people and which is great like for us because it's still relatable, but just the POC experience isn't as documented. So um, whether you're brown or not brown, listening to us will give you a perspective that hopefully isn't really out there as much. Yeah, I think me growing up, I would have liked if I had a brown representation, just something that you can kind of relate to a bit more. We all have a similar upbringing. It helps us all kind of come together, feel not as lonely. Because I, def- I grew up in a white community, so 
being of mm. color, being brown, I felt different. So with this new age where <laughs> the internet is everything, you can find your people. Well, I'm I'm excited for for us to do this every couple of weeks. Today, we're going to actually be delving into a couple of topics. Some of the stuff is, yeah, our trauma. Some of the stuff is stuff that's in the media that we're interested in. Either it's juicy or it's wild or it's an opportunity for us to learn off each other because we've done our own research. And so talking about it and having our perspectives on it is just, I'm, I'm keen. Yeah, I think the most I think the most interesting part is always talking about different people's perspective. That's the most interesting part. So today we're talking about Priyanka Chopra and the activist, Gabrielle Petito and her going missing. And then we're going to talk about something about us as brown girls, hair removal. Priya, what's life look like for you in the last couple of weeks of lockdown? I mean, I've been like slowly deteriorating, <laughs> like decomposing while alive. <laughs> How have you been? So we've been so busy because we are sending the spices to Amazon UK and Canada. So I'm really excited for that. It is probably going to take us another three weeks to finish packing. And then it'll take four weeks for everything to get there just in time for Christmas. I've been using your spices. I sent mine to Glebe, which is where I was living when I was out of home. And then I moved back here, but then the spices were still in Glebe. And so, like, I finally went and picked it up um, a couple of weeks ago. And, yeah, been Yay. loving it. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. But we have some really awesome topics. We do. Um, well, firstly, actually, before we get into it, congratulations on One Million. Oh, my God, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) How does it feel to know that one million people know you? Crazy. Like, it's such a huge milestone, right? Like, hitting one million. But then it's like, two days ago, I was on, like, 970, and that was a huge milestone. Like, each day, it feels amazing. Like, it's like, oh, my God, that's crazy. So the one million mark felt like another day where it was just like, oh, my God, this is crazy, which is, like, the same emotion I've been feeling every day. So it was insane. Do you feel like you don't know what the next milestone is going to be because one million is like it? How how can you aspire for more than a million? It's just crazy. What's the next step? Like five million? Like 10 million? <laughs> well, the thing is, right, the numbers, now it doesn't show me each follower that I get. Like now it just shows me 1.0. So I'm only going to see the number move every 100,000. Right. That's a huge number to move 100,000. So I'm not Jeez. focused on the followers anymore. It's it, it's the same. Yeah. Like I just I look at it and it's just 1.0. Not just, but like it doesn't move. <laughs> but I think it's like mentally really good because now I don't look at it. So yeah. now I'm just like just passionate about making the videos, which is really cool. Which is awesome. It's a, it's a, it's a change for your um the way that you kind of create as well, which I'm excited for. Exactly. Yeah, like it's well, a shift in what I focus on. Thank you. It's a huge, huge deal. So um, I am blessed to know you, to to breathe the air that you breathe. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Virtual air. <laughs> uh, Priya, what are your thoughts on um, what's happening right now with Gabby Petito? I, okay, so I was on TikTok for about one hour. Yes, I was scrolling through TikTok because everybody has an opinion on this right now. It's the most interesting thing. This girl, Gabrielle Petito, she, uh, I believe, was from the East Coast near New York and left her job to go live in a van, travel around with her boyfriend or fiance? Fiance. So she left her job 
to travel with him as her, like, as her boyfriend, and then they got engaged while traveling. Okay, so they're traveling around America, and then at some point along the way, she's gone missing and her boyfriend has returned home without her. That whole thing is weird. Like, if your partner goes missing, why would you leave them? There's a whole other part of it where there is one and a half hours of camera recording from the cops of them two fighting, her bawling her eyes out because she's been accused for physically assaulting him. And the whole thing's a bit fishy because her now fiancé has gone missing and is not in communication with anyone. It's a wild, wild story. And I, and I guess the reasons why it's wild, firstly, Gabby is an like an influencer. She has 500,000 Instagram followers. I haven't seen her TikTok, but I know on Instagram she's huge. And, um, and her whole social media presence is around uh, documenting her van life pretty much um not like anyone we know (laughs) we want to clarify that everything that we're talking about is based on an amalgamation of what's been talked about online so it's really just putting together other people's research we don't mean offense to anyone it is a really horrifying situation that's happening it is really really distressful for her family and his family as well um we do want to preface that and i i think that the thing that makes this particularly interesting is that her followers were kind of solving this case as it was happening it was like live we have a step-by-step timeline of when it started to now the first thing that we know is that on june the 2nd this year, Gabby and her fiance Brian Laundry left their hometown to travel across America. It was supposed to be a four month trip of them documenting their travel life. And she's posted like so many videos of how much fun they're having, how in love they are. And um, it's really spooky to see in hindsight, but they're just enjoying themselves so much. So I think it was August 30th, she posted, she made a post saying, happy Halloween. Oh my God. What the fuck? Wait, Halloween is in October. Yeah. Why did she post it in August then? Oh shit. Oh my God. Okay. All right. Rewind. August the 12th, the police actually responded to a domestic incident, like Priya said. So the domestic incident was them both fighting on the side of the road. The 911 call is available online and stuff, but the police were pretty much following that call, trying to find this white van where these two were fighting. It was just a domestic dispute, obviously horrifying, but, you know, nothing beyond a domestic dispute. And then on August the 19th, she uploaded a video about van life and it was that was all the kissy beautiful amazing relationship that they had she checked into a hotel on august the 24th and that was the last time she was seen alive wait wait she didn't check into the hotel he did she stayed in the van they found them both fighting and they said look because this is a domestic abuse situation what we have to do something we can't just leave you two so the police said you two need to be separated for the night because it's up to the guy because she's been assaulting him. We can either take her to jail or you guys separate for the night. So the police said to him, go to a hotel and told her to stay in the van and they just can't see each other for the night or 24 hours. 
So I wonder if that is in defense because what the 911 call was, was, hey, we saw this man slapping this girl and then he proceeded to hit her and they hopped in the car and they drove off. I watched the recording where the police officer was like to him, or like if she's been hitting you because he ha- he had scratch marks on his face. And the police officer said, this is clearly that you've been attacking him. And the police officer then asked her, you have attacked him. What was your intention of attacking him? And d- did you mean to cause him harm? And she's like, no, I didn't want to harm him. I just wanted him to stop telling me to calm down. And that's why she was sitting in the police car bawling her eyes out because apparently she was being mean to him about something. And then I read somewhere else that she has extreme OCD and they argue all the time. But yeah. That's really interesting because that means that the people that drove by saw him slapping her, but then in the footage, that the body camera footage, she said that she slapped him. Mm. Yeah. So the other really interesting thing is that nearby where she went missing, there is this yellow zone. Now, the yellow zone means that you can actually get away with murder in that area. So if somebody dies, nobody kind of gets blamed. Now, I don't know. I can't remember the technical details of this, but what it is that in that region, yeah, in that region, you have to go to trial, but nobody lives in that area. So when you go to trial, you have to have a jury. If nobody lives there, how are you going to have a jury? So technically, you can never go to trial. So this guy may have gone, I'm going to kill her in this yellow zone. Oh, my God. And maybe he can get away with it. Maybe. Theory. Shit. I've heard I've heard about this loophole, and I didn't know that it was related to this case, but um, I've just popped it up in front of me. Pretty much. the zone. It's called the zone of death. Um, and it's just on uh, the edge of Yellowstone National Park. And it's pretty much a, a loophole um, in the Constitution. So a criminal could avoid prosecution for anything major up to and including murder. Yeah, because you can't get a jury. Ah, Because right. you have the right so, to request to go to trial. So it right. just sits in limbo oh, and it could just gosh. sit in limbo forever. And essentially you get away with it. Right. That is so fucked up. Why is that not like, why haven't they legislated to? to... Oh, America's messed up. <laughs> Fair. That's a summary. Haven't you heard of, of the new, haven't you heard of the new abortion laws in Texas? Yeah, in Texas. Like basically if you're a child yeah, who's is... been raped by your grandfather or uncle, you're not allowed to get an abortion. Mm. Like what the hell is wrong with, like that is so wrong. Basically the law means that. If you have been raped and you're stuck with a child, you can't, like, you have to live with that for the rest of your life. But back to the issue. <laughs> so you reckon that he was trying to get her to the zone of death to kill her so that he could avoid penalty? Nah, I'm just saying that that is a theory that I've heard. Do I think it's true? Who knows? There could just be a couple where he said that he had been camping the few days before they she went missing so what could have happened is he's gone camping he's trying to get in contact with her she's not responding he goes screw this i'm going back home i don't really care it could also be that he said they went camping and he's actually killed her and then returned home but that sounds like a really stupid idea like what was his plan here or maybe it just doesn't make sense 
It's a bit too easy. Also, the other thing could have been they're having an argument. He's trying to maybe get her off him, accidentally pushes her. She hits her head, dies. He's freaked out, runs home. Or she he pushes her off a cliff and she's gone. So on August the 25th, that's where we're at on our timeline, um, Gabby's mum said she last spoke to her daughter on this day and pretty much Gabby said that they were leaving and they were heading um, to Yellowstone National Park Um, and she sounded good and she sounded excited and she seemed okay, but then all contact abruptly stopped and the last thing was her saying, There's no service here. She said there's no service at Yosemite, but they were nowhere near Yosemite. This was also the last time she posted on Instagram Um, and there was no geotagged location. It was just her like holding a pumpkin or something. And that's what you said. Happy Halloween. 27th of August, they kind of reported her missing. And then on the 29th, a witness called Miranda Baker said that she and her boyfriend gave him a ride alone and he was super thankful and he was in a hurry and he just disappeared after that. He returned by himself to Florida in the white van. Then obviously the police named him a person of interest and he hasn't made himself available to interview. So sadly, the family has been like begging and begging and begging. They've been begging for his family to talk and for him to talk and to cooperate. My thoughts are like, if your fiancé is missing and you're innocent, why wouldn't you join that effort? Like, why wouldn't you be actively engaging and cooperating with the police? Why would you need your counsellor to kind of stand between you unless there's something fishy? I mean, yes, that is true. But it's like, maybe maybe they're just not telling us stuff. Because this is a very poor plan if he is involved in it. Very stupid plan. Like, why did he return? If he's the one who killed her, why did he come back home? He had the van. He had a place to live. He could have just stayed on the run, driven to Mexico, driven to Canada. Why did he come back home to Florida? Which looks really bad on the police's end because they were supposed to know where he is. So what happened is the police randomly showed up at his parents' house and the parents were like, oh, he's not here. The police was like, what the hell? What do you mean he's not here? Exactly. Like, okay, staying silent is one thing, but going missing is like a whole other thing. This is two days after he goes missing, they found her body. They found human remains that were similar to hers. They found human remains that were consistent with the description of Petito, but the forensic idea hasn't been completed. And that's where we're at. Yeah, it's so fucked up. Like, it's really wild. And I think what's wild is the fact that her followers have been on this case. They, the moment, like, I think the weirdest thing, Priya, is like her last three Instagram posts, if you read the captions, it doesn't sound like her. Like, all the other posts sound a specific way. But then the last three are written in this really, really weird language, like uh, capitalizing letters that she doesn't capitalize. Um, you know, the, 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 se- the syntax of her sentences are just so un- uh, inconsistent with the way she usually talks. Um, and her fans picked up on that and they, and they knew, like, and they started commenting saying, this isn't Gabby, like, this is someone else. 
I think what may have happened is there's been they've been arguing. There's been an accident, and he's freaked out. I mean, I'm really interested to see where this ends up. Okay, this is future Cripper here. Um, while I'm editing, there have been updates since we've recorded this, so I highly recommend you go search it up. Um, they've actually confirmed that it's her body, unfortunately. He is completely off the grid and there's like an FBI chase for him. And they've also confirmed via autopsy the cause of her death. And it's definitely homicide. I'm super interested for this next topic about Priyanka Chopra. Me too. But before we get into it, I'm going to read a quick note from our sponsor for this episode, Shimmer Bazaar. And after the break, we'll be talking about Priyanka Chopra and her role in The Activist. Stay tuned. Get event ready with Shimmer Bazaar. Shimmer Bazaar is the first of its kind. I seriously have not seen anything like it in Sydney. Together, multiple fashion, jewelry, accessory brands run by other South Asian entrepreneurs all around Australia under the one roof, which is so convenient. Online shopping used to be intimidating for desi attire with quality guarantee being a major issue. But at Chimmer Bazaar, they carefully vet the businesses. So we know that when we shop from Chimmer Bazaar, we're getting the best quality products. They provide all the perks that you'd expect from a great online shop, including a $9.99 flat rate shipping, new products added weekly, and excellent customer service. For all our listeners, take advantage of the code SBFAM at checkout for free shipping on your first order. You can also find them on Instagram at Shimmer Bazaar. Add a touch of shimmer to your next Desi look. Now back to the episode. Okay. The Activist is a show. Let me provide some context. CBS was coming out with a game show called The Activist, which, right, one of the judges is Priyanka Chopra. The other judges was uh, were Julianne Hoff and Usher. So obviously huge. Um, and it was run by uh, the kind of global charity called Global Citizen, which is all about eradicating poverty. So let's just quickly talk about what an activist is. What is um, an activist to you? Um, I'm pretty sure an act, I don't know for sure, we should probably Google this, but an activist is somebody who gives their time for, what is it? I don't know. Causes that they're passionate about, things that need to change. I mean, so, I mean, the Google definition is a person who campaigns to bring about political or social change. I mean. Someone who basically devotes their life to this, to bring change. Exactly. And, I mean, so this competition was pretty much, you know, six inspiring activists go head-to-head in challenges to promote their causes. And if they win, they get to pitch their cause to the G20 summit in Rome, which is a huge thing, right? But as expected, the backlash for this was unprecedented. So many people had an issue with this, and I think it's very warranted backlash. People, I mean, Jamila Jamil was the one of the biggest voices in denouncing this. She, she, she tweeted saying, couldn't they just give the money that's going in to pay this unbelievably expensive talent and make this show directly to activist causes um, rather than turning activism into a game and then giving a fraction of the much needed money away in prize? 
people are dying. So the six activists, they basically pick a leader, so Priyanka Chopra, Asha and Julianne. They team up with one of these leaders who help them basically prepare a pitch. So the concept is actually what happens in real life. So what, whatever they're doing, that people prepare pitches and they present it to people so they, they can get grants, so that they can go ahead and put forward their idea into real life action. I mean, it's peak capitalism, right? You're literally, it's so dystopian. You're getting people who are passionate about changing the world to fight against each other. Yeah. And what, like, win? Like, I think a lot of the tweets were like, oh, sorry, your um, campaign to end genocide has too few likes so we're just going to keep doing genocide it's like yeah it's like I think this idea would have worked if they weren't using three really really famous people this idea would have been great if we watched three groups of people on their journey to pitch an idea to help change the world like a real authentic experience and that's what we all want to see in a documentary we don't like want to see a game show I would have loved to see that happen like it would have made me more aware of the world issues. It would have made me more aware of, man, it's so hard to simply get money. But you take someone like Priyanka Chopra and Asha like, and Julianne, you guys already have money. Like, why are you a part of a game show which is making three ideas compete against each other when you could very easily just fund this issue and make it happen? Like, why are you trying to make a TV show off of it. There are, there are so many great TV show ideas, but why this one? You're taking real issues and making a show out of it. It's like a real life, real life Black Mirror episode. Right. <laughs> How do they think it was okay to be part of something where you're promoting people to compete against ideas? Or it could have just been maybe not even a game show. It could have just been Priyanka Chopra being involved with a group of people going, hey, let's work on this together. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. Do they get paid for it? Yeah, obviously. I mean, look, I don't know. There's there's nothing to say that. But I mean, yeah, I, I think the general assumption is, yes, they would get paid for this, which is like that money is going to pay, what, Priyanka and Usher and Julianne rather than putting it into actual causes that could make change. And I think the other, like the secondary backlash that came with this is that Priyanka is well known to be someone who hinders a lot of progress, whether you love her or hate her. She objectively has supported war against Pakistan and she's denounced and silenced people who've confronted her about this, but she's involved in something like the activist. And I think that was kind of a, a lot of the backlash from, I guess, the South Asian diaspora, but also Indians in India. Yeah, I haven't, I've never been interested in the drama around her, except this one was just plain up stupid. Like, why would you be a part of this? Like, I think you mentioned when we were talking about this before, like, where were Priyanka's PR team? Like, why would they, all the checks and stuff that would have had to go on in the background, so many people had to have approved this. How did her team, who is supposed to have her best interest at heart, not kind of go, hey, Priyanka, like, maybe this isn't the best idea? Because, you know, she's a busy woman. Maybe she's not thinking her ideas through and she's not being rational. Let's just give her the benefit of the doubt, right? Let's just say she was not thinking straight. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, yeah. Wasn't someone else there to go, hey, Priyanka, like, this is a bit stupid? And same with Usher's team. Weren't they like, hey, this is kind of wrong. You're making people compete for money 
like to get a grant and you could easily fund this. Exactly. And to their benefit, Global Citizen and as well as the judges, they've all come out and apologized. They've kind of gone, look, it was wrong. This isn't something that we actually want to do. Um, we want to actually spotlight. That's, that's BS. You're only saying it because you know you can't make money off of it now. Like I get CBS, like why they went and contacted them. CBS, is they don't care. They just want to make money. And we need to accept that, that people are out there, like these big industries. They just need to make money and make their bosses happy above them. So they've come out with this stupid idea and them apologizing now doesn't mean shit. They're just saying, I'm sorry that you guys feel that way. It's one of those apologies. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry if you're offended. Yeah. I'm sorry you're offended. I'm not sorry for actually doing this because if they were sorry yeah. for doing it, they wouldn't have done it. Yeah, that's very true. What What are your thoughts on Priyanka's apology? She said the show got it wrong and sorry that my participation in it has disappointed so many of you. CBS also announced that the activist is going to be changed into a documentary which it should have been from the beginning and she was like you know I'm proud to collaborate with them and to the new format is gonna really um really elevate activists doing the good work well I reckon that she should have thought about it if you do something and you're putting your name to it you should think about it I I feel like it's it's not it's not gonna take off I take the famous people out and I would watch it because it's real life. People prepare pitches. They go out there. Like, doesn't Bill Gates do this, like, all around the world where he goes around giving grants? Grants? Did you say grants or grants? I don't Grant. know. But don't. In grants. Don't. But, like, he goes around the world giving out grants to people. Like, this happens. Mm-hmm. But why are we glamorizing it? Show us the raw, real stuff. I want to see that. I want to see, like, people dedicating their time to this. And then at the end of it, if they don't get it, This documentary can be like, hey, if you want to support this, you can go to this page and you can donate and then I'll feel like I'm a part of it. There there is a benefit in elevating their platforms and bringing, like, attention to their causes by putting them on a TV show. I understand that angle as well, but this was just not the way to go about it. Here's another thought. Maybe Maybe this was one of those COVID ideas where everyone's sitting at home on Zoom coming up with ideas and no one did oh the checks. Oh my god. Like have you seen all the covid movies recently? No. They suck. They all suck because what? it's probably like a home video edit. People aren't collectively getting together in a room discussing the ideas. Everyone's just like, "Oh yeah, this is a cool idea. Done." So maybe nobody thought about it properly. The bosses are like, "Oh yeah, it's good enough. Cool. We signed Usher and Priyanka and Juliana. Like let's just go for it." And nobody's stopped for a minute and gone, "This is ridiculous." Yeah, it's just so fucked up. If that's the case, then, like, sorry, not sorry. Like, (laughs) yeah. All right, the next topic is hair removal. We could, like, easily make this a whole podcast session. Yeah, we could. Hey. We're going to dabble into the hair removal and send in your questions. Send in your horror stories how you've been bullied in the past about hair removal. But if I get started, I think that I remember when I was first made aware of Mm. the fact that I have hair on my body and I was four years old. Wow. Just started kindergarten and these white kids at school were like, why do you have a mustache? And I think the first time they said it to me, I was like, what? Like my dad has a mustache. And I didn't see it as an insult the first time, right? Like the first time it's like, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't everyone. Yeah. And then I think 
after it continued for a year, so I'm in first grade now, and people still keep commenting on it. And then I'm in second grade. I think in second grade, then I told my mom, I was like, mom, people are like teasing me about my hair. And I was like, I don't get it. And she's like, oh, don't listen to them. And then I think I was in third grade. And like my friends kept asking, they're like, why do you have a mustache? And then it kind of, as you're getting older, it was like, ha ha, Priya has a mustache. And it's like, what? Like, okay, this is a bad thing. We started it's off so people young just as well. Yeah. And it was traumatizing. I'm so sorry. It's taboo for women in general to have hair on their bodies. It was really common in Egypt and ancient Egypt to remove your hair. And in the Roman Empire, it was like a sign of class to have no hair. And it was disgusting to have hair. And then in 1915, Gillette came out with the first women's razor. And that set off like an entire campaign of industrial pressure to get women to remove And they just did it for marketing. Exactly. And they just did it because, yeah, they just did it because, oh, wait, we're selling razors to men. Why don't we broaden the market and we can sell razors to women too? And that, oh, my God, I hate them for that. Exactly. Personally hate them. The thing is, back in 1915, it was only men working in these industries. And so it's pretty much men back then policed women and their bodies. And that has transcended through time because of the way that that picked up. So since then, you know, fashion, beauty, everything is about hair removal being the preferred. Yeah, it's basically disgusting if you have hair. I honestly was not super aware of my hair until I'd say like puberty. And then that's when I was like super embarrassed to ask my mom if I could, you know, get a razor and if that was the right thing to do. And then I remember in year 11, I mean, I used to shave my legs every day for school, which is just ridiculous. Like what a waste of time. And I remember someone told me, like this guy I liked told me out of context completely. He was like, you missed a spot. That's gross. And I was so embarrassed. That was the worst. And I feel like guys in high school loved saying that to girls. Like, oh, you missed a spot. It's like, really? He was so hairy. And I've spent thousands of dollars on laser hair removal. And I think a lot of women, especially brown women, can relate because we do grow more body hair and black hair is very obvious on like brown skin. And so we grow hair more and thicker. And so we're faced with okay, these are the 50 different ways you can, you know, manage it. You can get it threaded, you can get it waxed, you can get laser, you can, like, it's the economic cost of being a woman, right? You're paying money to conform to society. And don't forget how painful it is. So I used to get full body laser, full body. Now that costs around... $350. I went monthly. That is a lot of money. And that wasn't the first time I tried to get laser. $350 every time? Every time. Holy shit, Priya. And now I don't do that anymore. This was like three years ago. For the past three years, I haven't been getting laser because I think I was talking to Sid about it once and I was like, I just, I honestly just don't like it. Like it hurts. I'm in pain. He's like, why do you do it? And I thought about it and I was like, well, I thought I looked better. He's like, like, it doesn't really matter. And then I was like, you're right, it doesn't. I'm carrying this trauma from when I was four years old. I have hairy arms. I got laser done for ages and my arms, if you looked at them, you wouldn't even think I got laser once. 
it's all grown back. And I have hairy arms. I happily walk around with hairy legs. And the only place that I do, I still do hair removal because I haven't dealt with that insecurity is um, on my face. Like I do it myself. But I don't do my eyebrows anymore. We're, we're getting there. Amazing. <laughs> I take care of the monobrow. That's about it. Amazing. But the rest of it, I don't shape my eyebrows. My eyebrows grow how they want. Anyone has anything to say about that? I don't care. I think that facial hair as well is a thing that comes with the natural disadvantage of being, disadvantage in quotation marks, of being a brown or a a woman of colour in general because a lot of, you know, Middle Eastern women would also face this. The idea that facial hair is disgusting and Mm. that we have to remove it more and, like, you know, the, the sides of my face and, like, up on my forehead it's like places where a lot of people wouldn't necessarily associate to needing to remove hair but we do because that's what is more accepted there's an added issue for people who have PCOS and their their hormones make it make it so that they get even more hair on their face and what are you supposed to do with that like lasering isn't like a solution because I mean, you can, but it's going to grow back eventually and spending so much money. I, okay, I have not shared this with a lot of people, but I used to get electrolysis. What's that? If you don't know what that is, it's the most painful thing. They basically, I'm very hairy. Like on the scale of hairy, I am a nine. And they basically get a needle and they inject it into each hair follicle to kill it permanently. So let's, but. They can only do so much because you do one hour session. This was, I did this when I was 18 because I was so insecure and I do not recommend it to anybody. If you have hair, who cares? Because, okay, I have a lot of hair on my face, but that also means that I have a lot of oil, which also means it nourishes my face, which means I don't get wrinkles. I'm not going to look that old. Be okay with it because it's, you're not going to look old as you get older. It's like a whole damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, remove your hair now because you have to look good now, but don't remove your hair because you won't get wrinkles when you grow older. I mean, I remember I used to get, this is so stupid, I used to get teased for shaving my arms. And it's like, okay, you would tease me if I left the hair on my arms Mm -hmm. and now you're teasing me because I have to shave them? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, okay, so I have to have a specific amount of hair on my arms for you to be okay with it. Like, I would get teased too. They'd be like, oh, my God, that's so gross. You're that hairy that you have to shave your arms. And it's like, or, like, somebody would come and, like, touch my arms in, like, high school and they'd be like, oh, your hands are all prickly. Like, you shave. You shave, don't you? I was having a look at you. And, yeah, you do. And it's like, you're going to make fun of me if I have hair. You're going to make fun of me if I don't. And now, who cares? I have hairy arms. It does not matter i mean i think a lot of this stems from the idea that being hairless is considered more feminine right i don't know if you've heard of this but there's a lot of rhetoric around why do we prioritize being hairless and why do we consider that more attractive when being hairless is intrinsically about being prepubescent like there is so much rhetoric around how it's linked literally to like subconscious wanting us to look like babies and that's so true like women aren't allowed to get wrinkles we have to always look young we're not allowed to you know have hair we have to always look young like everything is about looking yeah but a man hairy man with wrinkles is sexy for some reason and that's why like i treat hair removal like makeup now i don't wear makeup every day Mm. but sometimes i do and it's a nice experience 
I have fun yeah. with it. And there's nothing wrong with removing it, by the way. The co- this conversation is more about autonomy, yeah. like being able to make the decision to remove your hair or not remove your hair and not feeling like you have to because, I mean, guys are constantly just exposed to super, super hairless women. I mean, porn is just the biggest promulgator of that as well, Mm -hmm. like the stuff that they would watch. You have to be hairless everywhere, absolutely everywhere, and that's what is considered sexy and that's what is considered desirable. Then if you grow it now, it's like considered feminist like oh you're a raging feminist to have like hair on your armpits it's like no I'm not being like a raging feminist I'm just existing I just didn't feel like shaving my armpits like I why do I have to yeah like why do I have to think about oh my gosh I'm wearing a tank top I haven't shaved my armpits now I don't care it's a hot day I wanted to wear a tank top so I am if you're uncomfortable with my hairy armpits that's your problem keeping hair or not keeping hair has become like a political statement but it's like no We're just existing as humans and making the decision to remove it or not remove it so that we can feel the best version of ourselves and whatever that means. Like, I still like removing my hair and I do and I don't feel pressured to do it on demand. I just like removing it when I feel like I want to remove it. And, of course, there's internalized stuff around that. Like, of course, the reason I'm doing it is probably because of what is considered feminine, but... That's but we need to start this conversation. I choose to, yeah, exactly. It's about choosing to unlearn that. And what are your thoughts on the idea that it's more hygienic to, like, remove it? I think trimming is great. Like, we're talking about this idea that you should have no hair. I personally love to trim because I feel better just for my own hygiene reasons. Like, it's practical. Mm. But that's up to me like that's your personal choice as well like some people grow a significant amount of less hair and it may be actually shorter or someone's hair may be really longer so it's like I need a trim like it's hygienic for me and that's the experience that we need to go through we need to develop our own like okay this is how my body works like let's let's get TMI if my armpit hair is too long it smells more so for me I like to keep it at a nice trimmed length but that's for me because I'm the one who has to smell my own B.O. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just a little whiff. Yeah, like Sid doesn't care about my body odor. But me personally, I'm with me, so I like to keep it at a nice trimmed length. I think that's really fair. Men have body hair and no one thinks that's unhygienic. Yeah, but like men do trim as well. And some men trim because it's like, oh, well, the sweat build up. I like to trim. For some people, it's then they'll have this specific length that they want to trim to. You know, it's so personal and we need to let people explore that themselves. And I think there's this assumption of like masculinity related to hair growth. And the thing is, it affects men as well. What about men who can't grow body hair, men who can't grow a beard, this sense of emasculation? But it's like, no, the idea is you don't need to be shamed for the amount of hair you have or how you manage your body. You should be able to have that autonomy around it. And I think... That's something that we need to have more conversations about. It's just. I would have to shave my legs like every other day. And then I had to change to epilating because like all of these issues came from high school because of summer dresses. Like, first of all, why did I have to wear a dress? Why wasn't there an option that I could wear pants? Like, and then I loved when winter came. Winter was my absolute favorite. I would not shave my legs. And I loved it. I felt the most confident and my arms were covered. 
and now I have to rebuild. And it was so unnecessary. Just having conversations with your friends or listening to content, consuming content, which validates you is, is the only way for us to move forward now. I mean, it's still happening now, like the shaming around it. I was, I'm the biggest fan of Love Island and um, this is Love Island UK, the most recent like season. There was just this entire conversation about this guy who was like, my number one biggest turnoff is hairy arms. And I'm like, okay, it isn't, you know, being a bitch or is it isn't cheating or it isn't lying. It's hairy arms. It just, it baffles me that that's such a big concern for him where you could have the most perfect woman in front of you, but she's got hairy arms and that turns you off. I know. And this reminds me of like, this reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where they're like making fun of this woman for having big hands. She was perfect. The perfect girl. It's absolute rubbish. People need to look deeper and that's... Yeah, we need to have these conversations. But I think that's all we have time for today, Priya. I think we need to do a whole episode about hair removal. Let's talk about this because we all have the trauma. And simply talking to you about it, Gripper, like I feel so much more confident about my hair. Yeah, me too. I've started to not even notice the hair on my body. I am still uncomfortable. Mine too. I don't know if my insecurity will go away from it because this one boy in high school called me Wolverine. And that was just too deep. Oh, my God. That's like, yeah. And I bet he was like this mediocre boy as well. Yeah, he was. But now I'm scarred for life. So now I like do hair removal on my face. And, you know, step one is I don't do my eyebrows. Just getting comfortable. And I love my eyebrows now. I got my eyebrows done from an Indian lady like six months ago because I was like, it was just like an auntie and she was going to do them for $5. And I was like, oh, I'll get them done. I haven't done my eyebrows in ages. She does them. And I honestly hated it. The parlor aunties give us insecurity about this as well. Like they, the ones that like are doing our eyebrows and are living the same experience that we're living. They're also experiencing it. And it's even though it was policed by men in the early 1900s, now it's empowering women to police each other, which is just, it's sad, but it's what it is. But thank you, Priya. We'll see you guys again two episodes down the track. Yeah, see you guys and send in your questions because I could talk for days about hair removal. And don't forget to follow us at Uncultured Pod on Instagram. Follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and email us or DM us with your stories. You can DM us at Uncultured Pod or email us at askuncultured at gmail.com. See you next week. <laughs>